you very much. It is such a privilege to be here with you. When we walked on the campus, my heart got full, my eyes got full, because we are in a building that we purchased, but for 10 years we met in a school almost like this with a courtyard almost like this, and my mind went back to the early days when we would have to come in early and set up and then break down, and it, it was like I was at home. And my heart was full as I was just sitting here listening to your church because I'm 13,000 kilometers away from my home, but I feel like I'm at home. And thank you for the hospitality. Thank you, Pastor Donnie. Thank you, Pastor Rudo. Uh, Neil, just wonderful, wonderful leaders that you have here. You are so, so blessed. And so as Pastor Donnie was saying, my heart was like, we're doing the same identical things. And as Pastor Donnie was saying, it's so easy to get caught up and think that we're the only congregation, we're the only nation that's doing this. But when you have 5,000 people, different languages, tribes, and tongues, taking communion together, which we had the opportunity to do, it was nothing short of a miracle. And it just reminded me that our God is much bigger than we are, and we're not alone in what we're doing. So thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, and we will go ahead and get started with our word. If you wouldn't mind, I'm not sure your custom, if you would just stand with me to honor the reading of the word of God. Our lesson this morning will come from John chapter 6, verse 31. And it reads as follows. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the word. And then they said unto him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather this morning. God, we ask that you touch our hearts in our ears to be open to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You may be seated. Um, I was so excited about getting up here, I forgot to introduce my family. So as Pastor Donnie <laughs> explained, uh, this is my beautiful wife, Pamela. January, we will have been married for 31 years, uh, and she's my partner in ministry, and God blessed me with an amazing mate. Um, and then our children are on the screen, um, we had to separate the pictures because three of our sons are in the Navy. We have two that are pilots. Uh, our daughter works in finance at a local government, and then we have another son that's in the Navy. And because they're stationed all over the world, we haven't all been together in two and a half years. But this Thanksgiving, God is going to great, uh, hopefully allow us to come together, and then we will take a family picture, so we will have one picture. My apologies to the tech team. Thank you. You guys are amazing working with such short turnaround. 
So getting back to our word, our word we're looking at, we're talking about Jesus is telling us that he's the bread of life. And he's telling us that whoever eats of this bread will live forever. They will live forever. And when we think about bread, bread has been in the world for centuries. In almost every nation that you go to, you will find some type of bread. If you go to India, you will find roti. If you go to France, a baguette. If you go to America, you may find what we call biscuits. Not cookies, but biscuits. It's a piece of bread. And it's just found almost everywhere we go. And as Christians, Jesus himself said that he's the bread of light. And if he's the bread of light, then that makes all of us bread distributors. It's our job to distribute bread wherever we go. It's our job to distribute bread every day. And so you say, okay, Pastor Charles, he's called us to be bread distributors. How are we supposed to do that? And if we look at Matthew chapter 28, he tells us in verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So talking about bread, I had a story that came to mind. Um, My wife and I, we were going to have a braai. Is that the correct word? It's a braai. It's the only word that I could pronounce correctly. I was going to greet you in Afrikaans this morning, but I gave up after an hour of trying. So, good morning. So, the day before, my wife says, okay, can you pick up bread for our event? And I said, okay, not a problem. So, before we go to bed, she reminds me again, can you pick up bread? Not a problem. I've got it. I'm on the way out the door to work. Don't forget the bread. Now, mind you, she's not nagging. She's such a beautiful woman. She's constantly reminding me because I have to be reminded multiple times. So she, at lunchtime, she says, don't forget the bread. Not a problem. Not a problem. So this time, I'm going to be transparent. I was getting a little irritated. I'm like, I got it. I got it. Get the bread. Get the bread. Get the bread. So we go to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store. I'm in the store. I get a text. Who is it? My wife telling me to get the bread. So I'm in the store. I get everything. I go home. I beat her home. I mow the yard. I clean the house. I'm doing a lot of things. I am so excited. She's going to be so pleased with me because I've done all these things just for her and just for our guests. And then when she comes in, she said, did you get the bread? And guess what I forgot? (laughs) The bread. Even with the constant reminders, I forgot to give the bread because she wanted to give bread to our guest. And this morning, I ask you, when Jesus comes back, will he find that we've given him everything except for distribution of the bread? We have great programs. We have fed those that are hungry. We have great worship services. But do we distribute bread on a daily basis? We can have the best worship services ever, but if when we leave here, we don't distribute the bread, we're just coming together having a sing-along. 
We're meeting together in our life groups and we're encouraging each other and we're excited, but we're only encouraging each other. We have the bread, but there are those out in the world that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and we've been called to be bread distributors. And so we have to make sure that Jesus' last words become our priority. As Pastor Donnie told you, I was in, in the Marines, and we have different types of orders, and we have something called a standing order. And a standing order means the last thing that you've been told, it does not change regardless of the situation. It doesn't matter if a private comes along or a general comes along. You do not change what you've been told. And in the Great Commission, Jesus gave us a standing order. He said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go if it's convenient. He didn't say go if everything was lined up in your life and it was perfect the way you wanted. He didn't say go only if you had a lot of money. He didn't say go only if you had a great education. He just said go. And that order cannot be changed. So the last words that Jesus gave us should become a priority in our life. Everything else should revolve around that. Go. And one of the things that we look at is we may say, well, God, I'm established. I may not be able to go, but you have the ability to share the gospel with nations. Some of us in here will not be able to physically go, but you can give to those that are going. Some of you may not physically be able to leave Pretoria or South Africa, but you still can go to the nations. Because one of the things that I discovered since I've been here in South Africa, by the way, you have a beautiful country. It is so beautiful. Would love to stay, but my pastor would send the team to come get me back. <laughs> there are nations here in this city. I've met people from different countries, different nations. You have the ability to touch the nations right here in your city. You don't have to cross the border to touch the nations. You will have those here that will go across the borders. But every day you look around you, there's people that you see, people that you encounter that are from other nations, so you still can reach the nations right at home. And so sometimes we have reasons why we may not share the gospel, reasons why we may not distribute bread. One of those is the church becomes a fortress. I like this church. I came in this church. I felt God's presence. I'm at home. It's scary out there. Sometimes we think that. And it could be here. It could be in America. It could be in Europe. I like these people. They are nice. They are like me. So our church, in essence, becomes a fortress, and it becomes a gathering place, and it becomes a country club. But if you look around, the majority of us, we will spend eternity together. But what about the people we see every day that are going to hell? And I know that's not popular to preach that, and that's not the way you start off in evangelism, but the reality is, if people do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they are going to be separated from him eternally. And Jesus died for all of us. Sometimes people don't share the gospel because they feel it's the pastor's job. It's the staff's job. But Pastor Ruto took us to a overlook, that overlook Praetoria yesterday, and it was so beautiful. And I was looking at your beautiful city, and I'm saying there's no way that Pastor Donnie and his staff can reach all of these people. 
The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The purpose of your staff is not to only go out and do the gospel, share the gospel by themselves. Their job is to equip us to go out. So we get to partner with them. So we have to get out of the mindset, we'll come together, we'll worship, we'll give, but we'll let the staff do all the work. They're never going to achieve what God has called them to do if you do not participate. I, I, I really feel strong about this because for years, I was one of those Christians before I became a pastor. I've only been a pastor five years before I became a pastor, I was the person in the church I would do everything. As I said, we set up just like you. I would set up the chairs. I would make sure the pastor had what he needed. I would clean the toilets. I would do it all. My only request was, God, I'm not articulate. I'm not an outgoing person. I'm, this isn't me. So let them go tell people about the gospel, but I'll support them in any way I can. I'll give whatever I can. I'll give my time, but let them go do the work. And then God started tugging on my heart, and he said, do you love what I love? And I thought I had it covered because I had a long list of things that I did. But I didn't love people enough to step outside of my comfort zone and tell them about Jesus. So I had an opportunity to go to our Every Nation Evangelism Summit in Belgium. And when I got there, God is so funny. We're standing up and we're talking, and I'm like, I'm an introvert in the middle of great evangelists. And everyone was talking, and one by one, everyone said that they were introverts. I'm like, what? <laughs> introverts? Wait a minute. Don't you know introverts? We don't talk a lot. Extroverts. My wife is an extrovert. She has never met a person that she didn't make a friend. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I've been lied to by the devil. I've been lied to. I've been told that I have to be articulate. I've been told that I have to be an extrovert. I have to be, been told that I love to be around people to tell people about Jesus, and I found that that wasn't the truth. And now my heart burns to tell people about Jesus Christ. So I know if God works in me, he can work in you. I was at church in a meeting with the pastor, and I told him, I said, I love church. I'm not too crazy about people. I literally said that. That was years ago. I'm different now, <laughs> right? So if he can change me, he can change you, amen? So here's the thing. Before we share the good news, before the news really can be good, you have to understand what the bad news is, and I just explained that. Before we had a relationship with Jesus Christ, we were all dead spiritually. That's bad news. For some people, it's not an issue because they're doing well, their family's doing well, their homes are well, they have great jobs, and why do I need God? I'm doing good. And that's the mindset. I don't know if you have that mindset here, but I know we do back at home. I really don't need your God because I'm doing okay. But the reality is your spirit is dead. And so we have to know to be able to explain the bad news, and here's the thing that we also have to understand. Jesus came to make dead people alive, not bad people good. Because a lot of people will say, I'm good, I'm a productive citizen, I don't commit any crimes, I'm good. But he didn't come to save good. The Bible tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. Jesus Christ was the only person that walked this planet 
that was sinless. So if we only have one sin, we're found sinful in the presence of God. And so we have to understand that it's easy for people to connect with, I I need forgiveness rather than I'm dead and I need a savior, I need to be born again. But the reality is either we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ or we're not. Either we're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ or we're not. And there's people around us all day long that we see, that we meet, and do we have compassion in our hearts? Do we even wonder if they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or do we just bypass them as we go along our day? And so I find myself now, as I'm driving down the street, I see people, I may never ever talk to them, but I can pray for them. I find myself at, uh, you call them robots. And uh, just to divert for a second, my, my wife's, which one, four? Great, great, great grandfather, uh, improved upon the robot, and the invention that he created was the yellow light. The original robot was just red and green, but her great-great-great-grandfather improved upon it. He has a patent on it, and it's actually in the Smithsonian Museum in the U.S. And so I think about that every time we travel around the world, I'm like, wow, a yellow light. Thank you, Lord. Keeps us safe. (laughs) But to, to, to go back to that is... Do we have compassion? The people that we work with, the people that serve us, the people in the hotels or the coffee shops, do we see them the same way that Jesus sees them? And you may not have an opportunity to share the gospel with all of them, but you definitely have an opportunity to pray that God would allow them to hear the gospel, that God would send somebody for them to hear the gospel, and that should be our posture every single day. The good news that we need to share with them is that Jesus came and lived a life that we couldn't live. On our best days, we still fall short of the glory of God. But also the good news we get to share is he died a death that we deserve, taking all of our sin to the cross. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says, he destroyed the record of the debt we owed with his requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing to the cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was a list of your sins, my sins, and everyone that's lived on this planet. But the only person that saw that was God himself. And when they nailed our sins to the cross, it wasn't only the nail that pierced Jesus' hand into the wood, it was our sins that were nailed to the cross. And as the blood flowed from Jesus' hands, it covered up all of our sins for God to remember no more. That's the good news. And the good news is he has not forgot about us. He's coming back. And the good news is is that he wants as many of his children to come with him as possible. He wants as many people saved as possible. Luke 19.10 tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And he allows us to be part of that. He doesn't need us. He allows us. He can do it faster, he can do it better, but he allows us to participate because we're his children. And so we dare not take that promise lightly. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. 
Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to come to repentance. God, that means people that don't look like me? Yes. People that don't belong to the same political party I belong to? Yes. People that live in different neighborhoods? Yes. People without an education? Yes. People without poverty? Yes. He wants them all. And sometimes we just have to stop and slow down and ask ourselves, do we think like God thinks? Or is ministry an inconvenience? Ministry is messy. I can tell you it's messy. But so were we. Think about your life before Jesus Christ. How messy was your life? I'm not going to ask you to testify. You and God knows how messy it was. And if we're honest, sometimes even as Christians, it gets messy and we have to repent. And then we do right and then it gets messy and then we have to repent. So if God loves us enough to offer grace and mercy and repentance, how much more should we love those around us who don't even know that this exists? We had an opportunity to go to George uh, before we came here, and we were meeting with a gentleman that's uh, doing ministry to um, young people from the settlements. And he said his greatest struggle is uh, they're getting a great education, they're getting uh, exposure to the world, they're getting taught the gospel, but they want to mix in tribal, um, what is it, traditions with the gospel. There are people that are literally in this modern day and time still living in darkness but the gospel will light up the word if we share it. One of the things about evangelism is we think, I don't know about South Africa, I'll tell you about America. A lot of people think, well, evangelism means I meet somebody, I tell them about Jesus, we ask them do they want a relationship with Jesus, they say yes, we pray, we start discipling the very next day. And so with that mindset, a lot of people get discouraged when they try to share the gospel because it doesn't always happen that day. If it does, praise God. But discipleship, I'm sorry, evangelism takes a while. You can be an evangelist to your neighbor for years before they accept the gospel. There's long-term evangelism. There is short-term evangelism, the person that you're sitting next to on the airplane that you're never, ever going to see again. There are different types of evangelism. The Bible tells us that some waters, some, I'm sorry, some plants, some waters, but God grants the increase. When I first came on staff, being transparent again, because I'm okay with that, God still loves me, I hope you do too, I would speak to a lot of people and try to share the gospel in weeks and months. And then our youth pastor would come along, and he would just ask him one time, do you want to give your life to Christ? And they would say yes. And I'm like, but God, I spent months with them telling them about you. And God said, it's not all about you. I can use whoever I want, whenever I want, to lead people to Christ. You do your part and deliver the package. I'll do the watering. I'll grant the increase. And then I will draw them to me. So never underestimate when you share the gospel. Do not walk away discouraged if someone does not receive the gospel. You may be the seed planter that day. The following day, you may be the person that waters. And then the next week, someone may come along and reap the harvest. God wants to know, will you tell people about him? You will not be evaluated on how many people you led to Jesus. 
But I believe God is looking at how many people are you willing to talk to about Jesus? Because you do not get to control the results. You cannot save anybody. Jesus has already done that. Take all the pressure off of yourself. I've got to get this person saved. I've got to get them. You can't do it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't include your name in there and say, whatever your name is, if you go talk to them and tell them about Jesus, they get eternal life. Take the pressure off of you. He's already done all of the heavy lifting. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Our job is to lift Jesus up. We lift him up by going to the nations. We lift him up by going to our neighbors. All of the weight is on him. And you may say, well, I don't know what to say. Tell them your story. Tell them your life of what your life looked like before Jesus and what your life looked like after Jesus. It's not that hard. No one knows your story but you. You have a testimony. You realize where Jesus brought you from. Tell them about that. Share that with them. You would be surprised at how many people out there in the world will have the same story as you. You start telling where God delivered you from, people will say, me too. And so he encourages us, just be you. You are a designer's original, which means there's no one else in the world that has your voice print, your fingerprints, your exact DNA. Your children or your parents may have some of your DNA, but not all of it. That means you are valuable. If God wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you just like them. He only made one Pastor Donnie. You don't have to be like him. You don't have to share the gospel like him. Share the gospel in your way, your word. It's so simple, but the enemy has lied to us, making us think that there's a certain way we have to do it. There's three steps here, and there's two scriptures here. No, when you step out on faith, the Holy Spirit will empower you, and he will help you. And I promise you that you will see results because God said his word would not return unto him void. The danger of sharing the gospel is if we start to see ourselves as saviors, we start finding our identity in what we do. If I'm the savior, if I see myself as the savior, if I tell 50 people about Jesus and no one gets saved, I'm going to start to think, I'm not any good at this, so I'm not going to do it anymore. It cannot be about you. The power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. You've got to remember that. The power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. Our job is to open our mouths. The Holy Spirit's job is to open their hearts. God wants you just as you are to share the gospel with people. And here's another important point that I want to leave you with. If people reject the gospel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. How many of your friends or coworkers? I just want you to imagine for a second, it's the great judgment day. And there's one line here, those that are going to be with God forever and those who are going to be separated. And picture your closest friends, your closest family members in the line where they're going to be separated, and they ask you, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? We talked about 
everything. We talked about the World Cup. We talked about politics. We talked about everything. Why did you not tell me about Jesus? I don't think any one of us would want to be in that situation. We ought to love them enough at least to give them an opportunity to hear the gospel. That's what it means when he says go. That's what it means when your church leadership says reach. We're going to reach the nations. That's what they're talking about. It's not sending one person. It's not just giving. It's us participating in all aspects, however we can. And so I want to leave you with this. Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Are you excited about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is it just part of your daily routine? Because things that we're excited about, we tell people. When I landed in this country, I knew that everyone in South Africa was excited, maybe not everyone, but close to everyone, about the World Cup. (laughs) I couldn't miss it. Everywhere I went, I saw jerseys, hats, posters, people were talking about it, and it was passionate. But isn't what Jesus Christ did more important than the World Cup? Do we share the same passion? All of us will assist in different ways. Some of us will reach the world globally. Some of us will reach the nations locally. Some of us will go. Some of us will give. God has given all of us different capacities. But I ask you this, as you start this week, are you as passionate about Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. We could bow our heads and pray. And I'm going to ask you to do something, and, and you don't have to do it, but if you realize that you haven't been as passionate about telling your friends, your neighbors, and strangers about Jesus Christ, and you want God to help you to be able to do that, please just slip your hand up in the air. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, we come before you this morning, and we repent, Lord, because our passion for you has not burned the way it should. You are the greatest person in our life. You love us. You protect us. You provide for us. And for whatever reason, God, we may find ourselves here this morning realizing that we haven't lifted you up the way that we should have. And we're asking for your forgiveness, Lord. And we're asking, Lord, that you would empower us with your spirit, that you would give us boldness, you would give us courage, God. You would give us the words to say. You would remind us that the power doesn't belong to us, but is by your power, by your might, by your spirit. And that if we give you our hearts, if we give you our mouths, you will give us the words to say. You have promised that you will help us. And so, Father, I thank you that this day forward, this congregation will not be the same 
Because as they leave out of here, Lord, they will have a passion that's burning. As they step out in faith, the power of the Holy Spirit will empower them to speak whatever needs to be said. You will show them how to reach those that are lost. You will touch their hearts and remind them to pray for those that they may see along the side of the streets as they drive through their cities, Lord. And we thank you for the work that this congregation is doing. And I ask that you bless them, Lord, in ways that only you can do. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of a global family. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.